Today's Palm Sunday. So on this day, the day that we are celebrating today, it's a day where Jesus came riding on a donkey. He came and he was worshiped for who he is, the king, the king of kings. They were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were taking branches of palm trees and just praising him. And they were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. So on this day where they were celebrating him as king of kings, and we today are celebrating him as king of kings, today we are going to learn about our king, Jesus, and what being children of the king looks like. We are children of God, and we are also children of the king, the king of kings. We are not just children of God. We are also children of the king of kings. And we're going to learn what that means to be a child of the king. Amen. Hallelujah. So first of all, we are in a kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking about this again and again and again. He's talking about specifically the kingdom. He's not just saying uh, life with God or something. He says specifically kingdom of God. Again and again and again, we, we, we see, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Luke eleven twenty. It is, it is, Jesus says, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Luke 10, 9, Jesus is telling the disciples and telling us today, heal the sick who are there. Like this is his instruction, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So he's telling us we're supposed to tell people the kingdom of God has come near. We are supposed to preach the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we were also supposed to talk, to tell the people that the kingdom has come near. This is instruction. But how, how often are people saying the kingdom of God this, the kingdom of God that, repeating scripture, maybe even doing the instruction that God's saying, I tell you, the kingdom of God is at hand. But how many people have any clue what it means, the kingdom? I think a lot of people are saying the scriptures of the kingdom and are talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom come, they will be done, but are not having revelation of what the kingdom of God means. First Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. This is what we're called. We're called royal. A priesthood, that's royal. Did you know you're called royal by God? A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And the Passion Translation says, you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. Revelation 1.5, New King James Version. Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God. 
We can add the word queens for us women too. Amen. So we are actually called kings? Wait, what? We're called kings and queens? This is what the Bible is saying. This is what Jesus is calling us. How often do you think of yourself as a king or a queen? Really? Probably just child of God usually is how you identify yourself. But this is a big part of your identity. Amen. Kings and queens here. Say, I'm a king. I'm a queen if you're a woman. Let's do it again. If you're a woman, say queen. If you're a man, say king. I am a queen. This is the truth. This is who God says you are. So, you know, you, here in America, we don't know too much about kingdoms on the earth. We have democracy, which is kind of a little bit like a kingdom, but not completely. So if you think about it, a lot of us in the Western world, a lot of us around the world, unless you are in a country that has um, kings and queens, monarchies, you don't just see kingdoms before you much. You don't know really what that means. So this is why I'm saying many of us don't have revelation of kingdom. But now you're going to learn the revelation about what a king and queen, what that means you are and what living in a kingdom is. Um, the truth is, is that those people who do live where there are earthly kingdoms like kings and queens monarchies and also those of us that learn about it hear about it hear about it in the news everything in history books and everything um probably most if not all of the kingdoms that we've heard about encountered read about learned about in history books the kings the queens the people in the monarchies were not surrendered to god right some may call themselves Christians, but were not surrendered to God. Many of them probably had demonic oppression and were therefore controlled, influenced by demons, by the devil. So therefore, we've seen, when we think about earthly kingdoms, we see, we've seen a lot, we've heard a lot, we've learned a lot that's put a big distaste in our mouth when we think about the word king, when we think about the word queen, when we think about the word kingdom. Because since they are influenced by the, by the devil, destructions happened. Um, colonization and the mistreatment and enslavery of so many people all came from kingdoms, kings and queens. Also, when we think kings and queens, we think about abuse of power. We think about an entitlement and not really servitude, um, servanthood. Yeah, that's how we think. Is that sound about right? So that doesn't sound very appetizing. <laughs> you know, that doesn't seem like something we should follow as a model of children, of, as children of God. So what has happened is because we have not seen good earthly representations of kingdoms, kings, and queens, to be truthful, much of the body of Christ has kind of ignored our important identity and role as kings and queens. And having revelation of what the kingdom is and walking in it. So we become Christians, but not kings and queens in the kingdom of God. We become churchgoers, but not citizens of the kingdom of God. That's a big problem. Because God did not say, thy 
lukewarm church come, thy will be done. He says, thy kingdom come. So it is important that we have revelation of this, of the kingdom of God. And we walk in it because that's what we're called to be kings and queens in the kingdom and to bring the kingdom to this earth. So Jesus came as a king to this earth, a servant king. And he represents to us what a king should look like, how a king should act, what a king should do or queen. We have his example and we need to follow it. That's how we can learn what a real kingdom, real king looks like because our earthly kingdoms didn't give us a good example. But we've got to make sure we don't let the worldly kingdoms spoil the true kingdom. There's nothing wrong with kingdom. There's nothing wrong with kings and queens. Jesus is the king of kings. But it's just how people have abused it and what we've seen. So number one, the first part, the first um, aspect, characteristic of a true king of Jesus as king that we see is having and walking in dominion. It says in Genesis 1:26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth. All of it, let them have dominion and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then Jesus, you know, echoes this will of the father for his children to have dominion and authority. When he says in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy. Hallelujah. Yeah, this is, this is one of the big parts of the king, of a king and queen, is that they have rule, they have dominion, they have authority, they have that power, and people or things must obey them. So in the spiritual realm, we have dominion over all powers of darkness. So what God has called us to do is to walk in dominion according to his will. So all that he wants to happen, that we would do all that he wants. He's given us complete power, authority, dominion. But he wants us to follow him 100%. That we're constantly looking to him. You've given me this authority, this dominion, Lord, but what, how do you want me to use it here? And how do you want me to use it here? And how do you want me to use it here every single day? Hallelujah. So it's God's will for the, the kingdom of darkness to go down, for demons to be cast out of people, for curses to be broken off of people, for sickness to be removed from people, for lack in every area of the life, physical, emotional, mental, for that lack to be removed, destroyed, and for the anointing of God to be released, abundant life to be released over people's lives, peace and joy, abundant health, abundance in every single area of a person's life. That is God's will. That is what God is calling us to do 
with this dominion. But many people miss this. Many people don't realize that God has given you dominion. God, why aren't you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are these bad things happening to these people? Because I've given you dominion, not me. You have the dominion and you need to walk in your dominion. And then those bad things wouldn't have happened. And then those demons would have gone out and they would have committed suicide. If, if all children of God walked in this revelation, if we started like today, every single child of God to walk in this revelation, the world would be flipped upside down in one day. Yes, because this, this authority is real. And I, I love the, the casting out of demons, you know, because I mean, for it to be seen because it opens up all of our eyes to the reality of the spiritual realm, to the reality of how little power demons really have compared to the power of God. There was a gentleman last, I don't know if he's here this week. If you are, you can raise your hand, but there was a gentleman last, or two weeks ago, and I just posted a video of the deliverance a couple, a few days ago, but um, the demons just took over him, like his conscience completely, and as I'm just doing mass deliverance here, uh, declaring things, all of a sudden the demons come out of the mouth, start speaking, I will not leave him! Like so, did anyone see it? Anyone saw it? Those of you who didn't read your hands, you gotta be following me on social media because you're missing out. No, because I'm giving you revelation, like revelation even in myself, it gives me revelation to watch the reality of the spiritual realm from this deliverance. So keep watching those videos because your eyes are opening up more and more. You're being equipped more and more, amen? You can go watch, it's posted a couple of days ago, a few days ago on my social media, Instagram, Facebook. Anyways, so, the, I mean, it, and this has happened several times, and these are my favorite, I think these are my favorite deliverance moments, because it just opens up one's eyes to how much of a liar the devil is, and how powerless the demons really are, and how they try to intimidate, but they're just liars, you know? And so the demons were just like, I will not leave it! looking with those eyes at me like is he here are you here is is the man here is the gentleman here I don't think he's here today hopefully he comes next week he can testify but I mean he is a grown man and looking and this has happened several times I love it they're my favorite ones and and but I knew that demons are just liars I know if they're gonna manifest like that that means that they're scared that means that that anointing is more powerful than, than them, that they can't hide anymore. And so they're just lying. They're just faking it to try to intimidate me. But I know too much. My eyes have seen too much in the spiritual realm. They can't fool me anymore. So I was like, enough, enough, get here, enough, come now. And then like, they tr they're like, <clears throat> and so, and he starts crying and then they start leaving, leaving him. But it's like, they try to fake it, but they can't, they cannot win. It's, they're losers, they're liars and they're losers, amen. So I, I love, it's so important that demons are being cast out publicly because it opens up all of our eyes, mine included, increases the revelation. I get, when I see that myself, before my eyes, I get pumped up like, devil, you're nothing. Your power is so small. 
that that same that same devil there is just as powerless in every other situation if we would actually walk in our dominion walk in the revelation of the dominion that we have and be serious about it and stand strong and not cower down because that's what happens when you when the devil tries to intimidate in certain instances in your life in any kind of instance in your life whether it's um you know lack of finances in your life whether it's it feels like doors are shutting in your face um Whatever it is, uh, your children are having problems, whatever thing it is, and the devil will try to become scary like the world's ending. You know, he'll try to come scary like that in these certain situations. You're not going to make it. The world's ending. The devil's winning. And if you believe that and you cower down, you are literally giving up your authority to the devil. So that's why people are so deceived. They think they're powerless. No, it's that you're giving your power away. You're believing the devil's lies. But in all those situations that come, like all of those that I just named, the children, the, the lack of finances, everything, what you need to do is to step in your authority, step in your place as king and queen and dominion. And no, the devil does not have power over me. I am the one that is king and queen here, not the devil. I am the one that has dominion, not the devil. In every area of my life, I have dominion, not what the devil's trying to do or say. I have dominion over you, devil. You're not going to fool me. I'm going to stand strong in my position. I know who I am, king or queen. Like, we got to be like this in the spirit. Kingly, queenly. This is not, I don't, I'm just trying to show like, we're not like, oh, but we are kings and queens. We have dominion and authority. The devil's under our feet. And because of the dominion and authority we have, we don't need to sweat it. We just walk simply in who we are. We command simply. We don't have to put so much physical effort or pray the million, millions of prayers over and over again. We know there's power in the one word we declare. You devil trying to bring this spirit upon my kids, I command you must leave. You devil trying to come in my finances and steal away the seed that God's given me, I command you must leave. And so this is what we are called to do in our lives in every sphere of our life, because everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And God is calling us to take dominion in every sphere of this world. Not only in the four walls here, but you are called to walk in dominion wherever you go, in your workplace, in your business, in your family. When someone comes to you in need, when someone comes to you oppressed, needing freedom, you are to take dominion. Demon, leave this person. God is calling us to take, the, the Bible says, let them have dominion over all the earth. Okay, that's saying every sphere, every industry, the music industry, the Hollywood industry, the politics industry, the medical industry. The financial industry, the, the school industry, the education industry, everything, every area, we are called to walk in dominion. And that is bringing heaven on earth, not just in the church, the whole earth.
We're called to take dominion. Eve had dominion, but the devil manipulated her to give her dominion to him. And so then he had dominion over her. We are doing the same thing with, with the devil today. People with gifts and talent and intellect are taking dominion with the devil's powers over this earth because we are handing over our dominion to them. We don't see ourselves rightly. We're not stepping up to the plate. We're thinking, oh, I don't know how to bring God in that area. And we just cower down and focus on all the demonic and negative. Or we leave that area. We leave our jobs because it's too dark. When you're called to be the light of the world and bring, walk in your dominion there. Not let the demons intimidate you there. And know you have purpose here. You're, you're going to change the whole company as you walk in your dominion. But because we are missing this revelation of being kings and queens and walking in dominion, most Christians are walking in dominion, so the devil's having dominion in every area. When really we should be rising up leaders in every sphere, shining the light of Jesus in every sphere. Not just they have to walk in a church building to find the light of Jesus, but that we walk in our dominion and in doing that, we allow God to supernaturally lift us to places of influence and leadership. And we be the light of the world there and we make change there and we take dominion over there. Hollywood does not have to belong to the devil. The music industry does not have to belong to the devil. Politics do not have to belong to the devil. Businesses do not have to be led by only demonic people. People who have money do not need to only be led by demonic people. That makes no sense. Why would God want all the money in the world to be with people who have demons? Hallelujah. This leads to my next, the next characteristic of Jesus as king and how we are to be kings and queens is that Jesus, when he walked in this earth, he had an abundance of provision. Jesus was never in lack. Jesus was never concerned about money. In fact, he pleaded with the disciples. He pleaded with the people he, ta he, he taught. Why on earth would you worry about what you're going to wear and how, what, how you're going to give food? The sparrows do not worry they're taken care of. The lilies don't worry they're taken care of. Why would you worry? He's pleading like, why? Why? Because Jesus had revelation of the, the supernatural provision of God in his life and in the spiritual realm. John 10, 10, Jesus says, the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so that you would have life and have it more abundantly. I came that you would have abundant life, life to the full. That is talking about every area of your life, that there would not be lack in any area of your life, but abundance. Even when it came to finances, provision. Malachi 3.10, you see, there's this principle in the kingdom of God that Jesus understood. And this is, if you understand this, if you have revelation of this, you will never worry about money a single day of your life. And that's the principle of sowing and reaping. The Bible talks about it so many times, this principle of sowing and reaping. The thing about provision is that 
all provision comes from God. It's all spiritual. How rich is God? Why are you so quiet? I guess you don't know the answer. The richest anyone could ever be. I mean, God's not up in heaven being like, I need, I need, oh, I'm almost running out here. He's the creator of the universe. He can create more. I mean, but here on this earth, we do, we do not see things the way they really are in this spiritual realm. So God has infinite amounts of resources. And when it comes to money, when it comes to provision, in the spiritual realm, there is no lack. There is no lack. There's not a certain amount of money that's on this earth. And that's it. No. Money, come, money is a spiritual thing. It's a physical manifestation of the spiritual realm provision. Never-ending amount of money, a provision. In Malachi, it talks about Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Too much. Too much. That's abundance. 2 Corinthians 9.10, now he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 2 Corinthians 9.6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So in the spiritual realm, when you sow, when you sow, which sowing is two parts, when it comes to sowing to, uh, for a reaping of finances, when it comes to um, reaping finances, reaping provision, and also reaping all of the supernatural blessings from God, it comes from sowing. Sowing in two parts. Sowing with however God is calling you to obey him. So sowing by serving, sowing by serving in the church, sowing by doing work for God, whatever it is, sowing by being kind and loving to somebody, by helping them out, by giving them when they're in need, etc. Serving God is sowing. Like every time you are sowing seed when you're serving God. There's a second part of sowing though that leads to the reaping that brings complete abundant life. Abundance in every area, abundance of all the spiritual blessings and finances. So that's the first part. Sowing by all of the obedience to God every day. But then there's a second part, sowing financially into the kingdom of God. They're two together. You cannot separate either. When you do both of those things, you will have abundant life in every area. I, I, I promise. It's, a, it's in the word of God. You will not have lack in any area. You will not have lack in, of, of finances. You have to have both things, though. You cannot be, um, you cannot be like a lukewarm Christian and not really be surrendered to God, but like giving tons of money to church and be like, oh, I just wanna have a lot of money. I wanna reap. That's not gonna work. You need to have the other part. You have to have both parts. But on the other hand, if you are only sowing the other part and never financially, you will stay in lack financially. I only have two dimes to my name. What about that woman who had just a couple coins and 
Jesus went wild over her giving, meaning that that was so important. That was so important to her surrender to him. And also it was the key for her to walk in abundant life and for God to pour out abundance in every area, including finances. So she wouldn't have to stay in that place of poverty. So you need both. But I'm telling you, if you want an abundant life in every area, it's as simple as that. Do both of those things. So be a sower, be a generous sower in your obedience to God with loving people, serving him, helping people, being selfless, and sow financially into the kingdom of God. It's very simple. Be generous in both of those areas and you will reap generously. This is a spiritual principle. It's a mystery. I say it's a mystery because it doesn't make sense in the physical realm. So when you're outside of God, when you're in the world, it's like you work and you get the money for that and that's that. You, you invest, you can get more money, in the, but you're just stuck. Like when it comes to money, it's very like straightforward. There's no way up kind of thing, um, like miraculously, right? But I'm telling you in the kingdom of God, your life will be miraculous in terms of finances. When you do the spiritual principle, I'm telling you. I know it's, it's hard to kind of believe sometimes, like the power of sowing. When you've been in a certain area for a long time financially, I've been there. I moved out to Los Angeles from upstate New York originally to pursue acting and then to pursue being a singer. And when I came out here, that was 2013. And it wasn't until 2016. 16 that I received the prophecy over my life that I was called to be an apostle, not a singer, but an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I was called to start Fivefold Church. So that was, okay, about th three years, 2013, 2013 to 2016, about three years where I was here as a starving artist, a typical starving artist. And thank God for my parents. My parents were so supportive. They supported me from day one financially too. They helped me out, but they weren't like spoiling me. They were just didn't want me to starve or anything. <laughs> so they had limits, you know? So um, I started out in North Hollywood, renting a two bedroom apartment, sharing with a total of three people. So I shared a room with another girl. And I was there when I received this prophecy over my life. So for three years, I was staying in, just living in that one room with another girl. And um, I thought about money every day. I mean, every week, I think it was about every week or so, something like that, I would be in the negatives. And I had to figure out how to get in the negatives in my bank account. Um, and I, was, I had part-time jobs. I was a waitress. I was a nanny. And I was living in poverty for three years. I... I think I made less than like $10,000 or something, something like that. Um, and I remember just every, it affected every part of my life. I just didn't want to push my parents too much. So I was like, I'm just going to live very, uh, uh, what's the word? Like frugal, frugal. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would never buy myself like a soda or anything, like just water and the meat, like the bare minimum, you know, that was my life for three years. I remember when I was nannying the first year that we had the church, when, when I started the church, I still was living in that place of poverty for a few years, really until it wasn't until the revival broke out that I came out of that place of poverty and living frugally. 
when the revival broke out was two years ago. And um, praise God, side note, side note, side note, side note. It's been two years since the first demon was cast out as of two weeks ago. The first demon cast out at Fivefold Church. Praise God, praise Jesus for what he has done since that day. Hallelujah. I just wanted to praise him for that here at Fivefold Church. I announced it on the live, but I wanted to announce it here. And so it was uh, a couple of months after that, so May, uh, so a little less than two years ago, I was living in poverty all those years, living very frugally, uh, the account being negative, um, crying on the phone, begging my mom for, to pay, to, bring, to give money so the church could make its rent. My parents were the biggest givers for all those years. We wouldn't have survived without my parents and me begging them. And my parents are retired teachers of upstate New York. My dad's been retired for a long time. He's 75, and he retired when he was 55. Yeah, they're just retired teachers. So I would be crying on the phone with my mom. Please, mom, I just know it's God's will for us to have the church. I don't know what else to do. We, we don't have money, so please. One time I was nannying, and um, when we had the church, the first year of having the church, and I had no money in my bank account, and um, I was like, okay, I'm bringing the boy, the 12-year-old boy nanny to his dad, and he's going to give me a check. So I'm going to deposit and then go to the gas station because I was empty. And I get to the dad, and he's like, oh, I forgot your check. And I told him, I said, I don't have gas. And so he was able to give me a $20 bill, and I got home. I put the $20 and got gas. So that was my life, okay, for many years. And in that place, I was thinking about money all the time. Like, it was always on my mind. Like, how can I make it? I'm negative. It was money, money, money. I just had to think about it all the time. It was such a burden, you know? And it was so hard for me to imagine. I knew the prophecies of abundant life in every area. I knew the prophecies of revival. I knew the prophecies. So I knew that it wouldn't just be mom and dad supporting the church the whole time. I knew it. But it was, it was honestly hard for me to imagine because when you live in that place, it's like, how do I get out of that? I can't imagine just having, and, 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 and I, was a, I was a waitress and nanny, so there was no such thing as promotion or raise. So it's like, how do I get out? I don't understand how money could just come somehow, you know? But I have now come to see this God is true what he says. When you bring the tithe into the storehouse, when you sow generously, you will reap generously. When you bring the tithe into the storehouse, there will not be enough room in your lap for all the blessings that God will pour out in every area of your life. I've seen God supernaturally open up doors and bring me now to an apartment in a good neighborhood. I was in a bad neighborhood before we had break-ins all the time in the garage. My car was broken in one time. So now I'm in a great, safe, clean neighborhood with a two-bedroom apartment to myself where one room can be an office where I'm spending all the time working for God. And I have a living room and I have a dining room for the first time in my life as of a year and a half ago. And kitchen. And two fireplaces, and I love fireplaces. <laughs> Hallelujah. And now I don't think about money. Before I had to think about money every day. How will I get out of negatives? Now I don't think about money. I don't, it's not in my mind at all, which is how God wants it to be. The problem is, is people think that, that you're, if you have money, you're going to be, it's going to own you. It does not have to own you. And for so long, the church has been blinded 
The devil has blinded people in this area. He does not want the church to walk in abundant life in every area. He's keeping people bound with the spirit of poverty and with the poverty mindset. And it's a lie from the pit of hell to try to keep children of God from walking in complete abundant life and walking in dominion in every area of the world. That's how it's supposed to be. That money, you're not thinking about it. It's just provision from, I have provision from my father everywhere. And all the provision that comes to me is for God's will. It's for his purposes. So if I need something to wear for God to represent him well, I have the, there's the provision and we take care of it. You know, God wants me to give so much to this organization, to this ministry, to orphans. There it goes. But that our minds are not like having a hold on money, thinking about money so much, but literally we see all of the provision, all of the resources from God as belonging to God. And it's like, my, my father is the king of everything. He owns everything. He has all the money in the world. And he has all the money in the world. And I'm his child. So all the money in the world is also belongs to me too. And so depending on the season, God will place all the certain, certain amounts of the money of the world in my hands. But it's still his. I see it as all his. Lord, how do you want me to use this? What part do you want to, me to use on myself for your purposes even? Sometimes it could be as a blessing. He wants to bless you with something. You can, it's okay to get something. That's okay. Sometimes it will be that way. But everything belongs to him. And you, you look to him with how to use all of these resources, all this provision, all this money that belongs to him. That's how it's supposed to be. I am a child of the king. I have all the money in the world. If God wants to give me millions of dollars right now, amen. It's for his purpose. For him to do what he wants, for me to walk in dominion and give, um, if he, and God will, God will do this. When you can walk in this revelation, when you can be free of money's grip on you, when you can die to yourself and become so selfless, when you can start to walk in this revelation and so, and so, and so, God will bless you and bless you and bless you. Not for yourself. Well, he'll want to bless you a little bit, but it's for his purposes. As I said earlier, why it makes no sense why, why God wouldn't want his children to have money. Because it's for his purposes. It's for, it's for us to walk in dominion according to his will. You know, like today, the richest people, they do. Many of them, they give to charities. But they're doing it, probably a lot of them are not doing it from their heart. They're doing it to get tax write-offs. They're doing it to look good. That's the motive. And even those that are giving to certain charities... Most of them that are not serving God, servants of God, they are not going to give to a ministry or the work of God. So God wants his children to be wealthy. I'm not saying this. Everybody's calling to have a million dollars. No, we're all going to have different callings. We're not all called to be millionaires and have tons and tons of money. I'm not saying that. But we are all called to not be in lack. We are all called to bless others, to not be the, the to be a lender, not a borrower, to be the head and not the tail, to be a stewarder of what God gives. So God wants there to be God wants his children, some of them, he wants to give them some tons of million dollars, and then he wants to wants them to give all of it away where he wants it to go. 
Like he wants his, he wants, he wants his, his ministries to be supported. He wants his orphans to be supported. He wants businesses, certain businesses to be supported. He wants some of you to start your own businesses and you need money to do, to do that. So you can have dominion in that sphere of influence in the business world. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the reason why God wants us to have abundance is not for us to live luxurious lives, but for us to do with the money what he wants rather than what the devil wants, which is what's going on if the children of God won't get out of this poverty mindset. This is important. Amen. Hallelujah. And when you start to sow, you'll be shocked with how God opens up so many doors supernatural doors and pours blessings on your lap, pours finances on your lap. And he won't do it until you're ready. He won't do it until you're ready to give it all away. And, and I'm saying for, for mo most of the time, if once he starts to pour out so many blessings, like a lot of finances all of a sudden happen, most of the time he's going to be asking you to give it all away for a season at least because he wants your heart completely. He wants money to never own you. He wants you, he wants you to not think money is something so great, you know, but that, oh, this is just what God wants me to release here. You know, who am I? It's all God's. Amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 14, 17. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. When he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So several, several thousands were, were fed. Several, several thousands were fed. And it started with just a couple. It started in a place of lack, right? The provision was so small, but Jesus was not concerned. And this is, this is an example of how it works in the spiritual realm, how God has an infinite amount of, of, super, of resources. So Jesus is like, no big deal, boom. <laughs> and, and not only is everyone fed, but there are leftovers. But... That just speaks about how there is no such thing as lack. I mean, there's an overflow. God has so much. So we need to get out of this poverty mindset or we, we, God can give you all the money in the world and you'll lose it because you'll have a scarcity mindset. You'll be holding on to it, but it's the releasing that makes more to come. It's the giving more, the releasing more that makes more to come. There is a parable in the Bible of the talents and how God gave one person, or, or how the master gave one person five, one person two, one person one. The person with five, the person with two, they went and invested it. So this is like them sowing to reap more. Bringing more out of what God gave. Gave the seed, and it was increased because what they did with it. But the one who was given only one was afraid that it would be lost or it would, it would go away. So he, he hid it. He dug and hid it. And, and God says, those who had, they're the master, says those who had five, those who has two, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to, I can trust you with little, now I can trust you with more. 
you're going to have more, way more now. He says to the one with one, he is so angry at the person with one. And he says, what you have will even be taken from you. So if you live in scarcity mindset, poverty mindset, and you are not a generous person, what you have, you always live in poverty. You have to break free of this poverty mindset and step into this revelation of sowing and reaping an abundant life in Jesus. So, so God is giving more, the master is giving more to those who gave more. That's how it is simply in the spiritual realm. It just keeps increasing, increasing. The more you give, the more God gives. Hallelujah. We also see Jesus. There was a woman who poured expensive oil on Jesus' feet. Very expensive. And Judas is saying, why are you doing that? You could have sold that and given that all to the poor. But Jesus stops him and ends up praising her for what she did. This is because Jesus had not a scarcity poverty mindset, but this abundant life mindset. Knowing that it's not that because this perfume is here that the poor cannot be given money or resources. There's an abundance of resources. So that's why it's not like we need to, um, we, we need to just live like peasants. That's not right. That's living peasant mindset, uh, poverty mindset. It's okay. God wants his servants to have a nice house. So you can, I mean, we're a, we're a, we're a body too. We have a body, we have a soul, not just spirit. So the more we take care of ourselves, the more it's clean and peaceful, our surroundings, the more we're able to serve God better. So it's okay to have nice things just as long as it's God's will. Just as long as you're giving way more than you're spending on yourself. And that as you spend on yourself, it's totally God's will and not too soon. You're not jumping ahead of God when he, wa when, when he wants to bless you with something later, but you're jumping too soon just because money's there. Well, the money's there actually to, for other purposes, not yourself, to bless others. Amen? But in God's timing, it's okay to have nice things some, according to his will. Be free of this poverty mindset. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Also, 2 Kings 4.1, there's a story in the Bible of Elisha. So it, it says, the wife of the son of the men uh, cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant honored the Lord with fear, but the man to whom he owed money has come to take my two children to make them serve him. Elisha said to her, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your, your woman servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. So this oil is like provision, okay? Then he said, go around and get jars from all your neighbors. Get empty jars, many of them. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into all these jars and set aside each one that is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They took the jars to her and she poured. When the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another jar. And he said to her, there is, there is not one jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. So, and he says, go and sell the oil and pay what you owe. You and your sons can live on the rest. So she was in debt. She was in need. But when she went to the servant of God and when she followed the instructions and she served God and she did what he said and she started to pour, she started to sow that little that she had. She didn't hold on to it. This is my last oil. But she poured out the oil. It kept coming. That's how it is the seed. It says God who gives seed to the sower. He's the one that gives the seed. So this pouring the oil into the jars, as long as you're in this position of sowing, 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 it keeps coming. It keeps coming. 
The reaping keeps coming. The seeds keep coming from God. This is, the, this is a principle. It's a mystery. It's a, by that I mean it's supernatural. It's miraculous. And this is how we are to live. Not of the world in the way of finances, money, but God's way. The kingdom way. This is how we're able to walk in dominion and be a king and queen. I have all the resources. Kings and queens do not worry about money. They have all that they need. So we are to live in that way. I have all I need. I'm going to keep sowing and God's going to give me exactly what I need. What he wants me to release to others. He's going to give me everything I need. So your, your mind is never on money. You have it all through Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. The last part I'm going to mention right now, the last characteristic of Jesus as king, how we are to be kings and queens in the kingdom, is that Jesus presented himself respectable, represented himself as the king. Like, Jesus did not misrepresent the Father, but he represented the Father perfectly in all he did. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't cower down. He didn't back down. He knew who he was, and he walked in it. And we are called to present ourselves in a way that is pleasing to God in every area. We are called to represent King Jesus well. So we are called to do everything just as Jesus did. Just as Jesus did, we are called to, to be just like him. And so in every area of our life, even how we present ourselves, we need to be looking to God. How can I perfectly represent you and make you proud, Jesus? Jesus, you know, on Palm Sunday, he rode in on a donkey. And in those days, those, that's what kings would use to come and ride on and present themselves. So Jesus was coming as a king, presenting himself accurately. Amen? So as I said, we are on this earth. We have a body. We have a soul. And we are called to be the light in the world, the light of the world. We are called to attract people in darkness to Jesus by his light shining through us. But listen, we are in this world, okay? We cannot be going acting like we are in our heavenly bodies and walk around naked or something. I'm not saying that that's a temptation for many people to walk naked, but what I mean is we need to not be a distraction of the light that's within us. Like how we present ourselves, how we dress, how we act should not distract, detract from the light that's within us. We are called to be attractive, like that people will look at us and be like, what is that about you? And, and what the, the biggest things of the light is the peace, the joy, the, the love, the loving of, of the enemies. Despite any circumstance, the peace is still there. That's the big thing, the love of God. That when we say that we're called to be the light of the world that attracts, that's the major part of what God's talking about, that light that we are called to be, that's attractive to people, that makes people be like, wow, I've never been loved like that before. Wow, why is this person so joyful and peaceful all the time? I see them, I'm in workplace, the workplace with them. I've seen people be mean to them, they still keep their joy, they're still kind to them. What is this? The way they love me made me feel something I never felt before. What is that? That's being the light of the world, amen? That's attracting people. Sharing your testimony. I was once in bondage, but I'm now free, and I'm walking an abundant life. And, whoa. 
how do I get that? You know, it's attracting. But we need to make sure that nothing's detracting from that. That people look at us and they're not distracted by our smell. We didn't shower or something. Or us dressing raggedy because we're living in a poverty mindset. We are to represent abundant life in every area. We are to represent Jesus the King. So we need to look the part too, you know? So that everything is being the light of the world. Everything. That we're modest how we dress, but not impoverished how we dress. You know? That one looks at you and you, they, they see, what, what is the secret? You have peace, you have joy, you have abundant life, you're not in lack. And you're beautiful inside and out, you're shining. How you present yourself, you, you respect yourself. You respect yourself. I can tell that you don't have insecurity by how you're dressing, by how you're presenting yourself. It all matters. It all adds to being the best light we can be for Jesus and attractive to people. We want to be attractive to people. We want to re represent Jesus perfectly. That's how people will be drawn the most. Amen? Hallelujah. So you don't have to have a lot of money to present yourself well, but it's just about caring about, taking care of your body, caring about what you look, that it's modest, that it's pleasing to God, but also that it's like professional. That it's not, um, I mean, we shouldn't give off the vibe that you, you give your life to Jesus and you'll be in rags because that's what the church has done for so long. We're to represent Jesus right in every area. Amen. So we got to present ourselves kingly and queenly, respect ourselves, know who we are. I'm a king and queen. I'm a daughter or a son of the king of kings. And I'm going to dress like it. I'm going to walk like it. I'm going to act like it. I'm going to walk in dominion as it is. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Are you ready to walk in dominion? Are you ready to walk in abundance? Are you ready to walk as a king and queen that you are, as Jesus calls you? Hallelujah. You will see the abundant life coming in your life in every area once you start walking in this revelation. Many of you are going to be free of poverty mindset today. You're going to be free of curses of poverty today. And you are going to start walking in abundant life in every area, including in your finances today. In Jesus' name, amen.